Our cars up, we ride. Hey, you turn the lights off. We ride. Uh, we don't need them on this side. Hey, you guys, welcome to Block Channel. We're back for episode 70. And I wish I could be talking to you during less grim times, but hey, you're at home, you're stuck inside, you might as well listen to this podcast because I'm here stuck inside doing it on a Sunday at 12 noon. So this is the new normal, or at least according to certain Carvana and State Farm commercials that I've been seeing on Hulu, apparently. Um, they've been uh, really scaring the shit out of me. But anyways, um, the world's on fire, but we're not. So we're here making a podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm back again this week uh, with my loyal co-host, Demetri Ferguson. Uh, Demetri, you want to introduce yourself to the audience for number seven zero? Hey, what's going on, audience? It's good to be back. Episode 70. That's right. Um, yeah, like Steven said, the world is on fire. But you know what? I'm walking around with a fire hydrant, Steven. I'm keeping people mm-hmm, calm. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping me them too, me too. locked in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to keep people focused, man. You know, just a quick aside before mm-hmm. we get into the uh, all the good show goodie bits gonna go out the dome here for a moment and spin you with a little bit of positivity if, if the audience if you're ready open your ears i'm ready um everything is scary right now but and and you're gonna hear this a lot but everything is gonna be okay and what we mean by everything is gonna be okay is that we're gonna return to normality in the closest way that we can in the most sensible way that we can the world is going to be very different things will be have changed substantially socially uh, as far as how we interact globally, on how we have empathy amongst one another, on how we realize that the interconnectivity that is humanity uh, is something that has is, has always been there. Um, and now we're really understanding, specifically from a bio- biological, virology-related perspective, um, that it's even closer than, than we could have ever even possibly imagined, and all of our actions um, affect each other. And now we're sitting in our homes, in solace, in solitude, um, thinking back on all the things that we could have fixed. How do, how did we get here? What went wrong? Why weren't we paying attention to uh, exponential, uh, you know, discussion around what this virus would do to us? Uh, why is why does our why is our government seem so inept at, at at helping us? Why is the CDC this? Why is the World Health Organization that? And in actuality, it comes down to all of us the individual, uh, taking care of yourself, taking care of each other, your family, your loved ones, and, and getting through this because those organizations and those institutions are going to attempt to save themselves before they save you. So only you can save yourself. So what you need to do is be calm, take it easy, get the supplies that you need, but only the supplies that you need because remember, we're not selfish. Now we're all connected. It's a new layer of enlightenment here to remind you that you take care of yourself, but there's other people taking care of each other too. And we're all just trying to get through this. Now, that's all the preaching I got for you, but it seemed like it was an important thing to just just say it. And if we say it enough, maybe eventually it'll come true. So with all that being said, we're here today joined by with Chris Maurice, the CEO of Yellow Card. He's actually one of my uh, go-to guys for when I have anything or any questions in regards to Africa. Um, and uh, not only myself, too, other people as well. This man knows his stuff. So today we're going to talk about his firm, his business, his background, why he cares about Africa so much, why he cares about crypto so much, and, um, you know, 
let's take our minds off of what's going on for a little bit. So, so Chris, um, could you share with us in the audience, uh, you know, what, tell us about yourself, how you got here into the crypto space before we start talking about your firm. Man, well, Stephen Dimitri, man, it's it's an honor. It's an honor to be here. You know, I'm uh, I'm a big fan, big fan of what you guys are doing, and uh, just just glad to be on the show. Uh, you Thank know, you, sir. Thank you. Uh, you know, Stephen asked me like, "Hey, do you have time this weekend to do the podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, we're all quarantined. What else would I be doing?" So. <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm 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 excited to be here. Like uh, like Stephen said, I uh, you know I'm um, I'm running running Yellow Card right now. I'm the uh, the, the co-founder, and uh, basically what we do at Yellow Card is uh, crypto exchange in Africa. So we help people buy and sell cryptocurrency in emerging markets using their local currency. And uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Chris. hold on, let's <laughs> slow down. I love Yellow Card, but before we talk about Yellow Card, I need to know. Who is Chris Maurice? So okay. Chris Maurice, who are you and how did you find your way into crypto? You've told me this story personally and I love it, but give me your, the short version of that before we start learning about the badassness that you guys are concocting at Yellow Card. <laughs> sure, sure. So so yeah, I'm I'm Chris. Uh, so I was born and raised in New Orleans. I uh, grew up uh, grew up in the in the South, the good old good old Southern mm -hmm. United States. I like where this uh, is. <laughs> just, just like my man Steven. So I, uh, you know, grew up, grew up there. Went to, uh, went to Auburn for, for college, and, uh, you know, ironically, I never, never traveled much as a kid. Um, I, uh, I had left the state of Louisiana maybe four times before going to college, and, uh, you know, would certainly not consider myself well traveled by, uh, by any means, uh, but. Uh, you know, somehow when I was in when I was in college uh, through through a friend of mine, uh, I ended up in uh, doing business in Pakistan through uh, through a factory there, and so uh, my my first sort of foray into international business was uh, clothing. It was it was manufacturing clothing lines, supply chains, and everything, especially for people that didn't want to do business out of China for any number of reasons, uh, but still didn't want to bring it to the U.S. because of the the exorbitant cost. And so we helped clothing lines to, to manufacture out of Pakistan. And, uh, you know, what, what got me into crypto is the work that I was doing there. Any, any time that we needed to move money in, move money out, it was, it was a complete pain. You know, the, the, the Pakistani rupee is not exactly the strongest currency in the world. And uh, as a result, it was, it was tough to move money in, move money around, move money out. And, you know, when my co-founder, Justin, first taught me about Bitcoin back in 2013-ish, it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the idea of putting money, putting value in its most abstract form on the Internet and being able to move it around without a bank, without any, you know, potential interference. Um, you know, 20, 2013 was still a little early for me to dive completely into the industry. Uh, you know, I was still doing uh, clothing. I was still doing all of that. And, uh, you know, magic internet money was, uh, <laughs> was a bit far out for, uh, for what we were doing, at least I thought. And so what we started, uh, what we started doing is just reading more about it, just trying to learn more about it. Uh, you know, we would, we would read articles online, uh, send stuff to each other, uh, just, you know, sort of, uh, trying to trying to more fully understand this technology, and uh, you know, I think it took uh, it took about 
a year and a half of doing that before I got comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, just, just reading about it over that time brought us to about 2015. And, uh, you know, in 2015, I saw Bitcoin being sold on eBay for a 200% markup. Uh, so Bitcoin was like 100 bucks, maybe 90 to $100 at the time. And uh, people were selling it on eBay for as much as 300 And so I, I sent the link over to Justin. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, you know, we're two relatively smart individuals. We can figure this out. And, uh, you know, Justin says, yeah, I think we can. Let's let's sell some Bitcoin. And so we uh, we listed on eBay. And uh, that first week, we did $40,000 in sales at a, at a 200% margin. Uh, That's, and- uh, you, were, you were in college, right? I was I was in college. I'm a, I'm about to call my mom at this point and tell her I'm dropping out. And uh, <laughs> hey, mom, I just got crypto rich. Uh, and uh, you know, so we, we did I just that. made forty thousand dollars, mom. I never need to work again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am set for life. That's <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, forty thousand dollars in sales, and uh, that's that's when I learned what a credit card chargeback is. So. Um, that, uh, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, my uh, my lifetime of uh, wealth and riches that I had uh, that I had, uh, you know, uh, made it uh, it didn't last very long, uh, you know. And uh, the worst part about a credit card chargeback on Bitcoin is uh, you have to buy the Bitcoin to send to the scammer, and so you're actually losing out on both ends of the transaction. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we ended up with less money than we started with. So, uh, so that that hurt. Um, but you know, for uh, for whatever reason, at this point, uh, you know, a year and a half later, uh, we were we were completely sold on the technology. And uh, this this uh, hiccup, to put it lightly, didn't uh, <laughs> didn't deter us from the industry and from crypto in general. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to keep it going and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to keep uh, spreading the word as, as, as well as we knew how. And, uh, you know, at this point, we're triggered by plastic. And so credit cards are completely off the table. Uh, and the only thing that we could think to accept was cold, hard cash, the, the most irreversible payment method known to man, where, you know, short of pulling a gun at me, you're not going to get that money back once you give it to me. And so uh, we <laughs> we started uh, we started advertising on Craigslist, um, you know one of the uh, one of the safest places possible to uh, meet up with strangers for cash. Uh, we started advertising, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, and uh, local bitcoins. And uh, we would say, you know, hey, we have Bitcoin. Come meet up with us and give us cash, and we'll give you the Bitcoin. And uh, you know, people start responding to this ad, and so we did the only thing that uh, you know two reasonable college students in our position would do, and that is we would set up shop at the Taco Bell on Gay Street in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, you could walk into this Taco Bell, come to the back corner where Justin and I are eating our Doritos Locos Taco 12-pack, and slap a couple hundred dollars cash on the table, and we would scan your QR code and give you Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're selling, selling Bitcoin out of a Taco Bell and, uh, you know, the, the, (laughs) was it it really, hold on, sorry. Was it like really detailed? Were you like, I've got to be eating Doritos Locos. If you see a guy eating a Chalupa, it ain't me. Turn around. Drop two two fire hot sauces on the table. So I know. (laughs) Baja Blast and Doritos Locos. That's the combo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna go order a large Mountain Dew, and that's how we're gonna know you're legit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
No, no, you know, it's uh, it's funny though because uh, what, what I always tell people is Taco Bell. Taco Bell was the best place we could have done this because it's the perfect amount of apathy, right? Like the 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 employees at Taco Bell don't care about their own job. <laughs> they don't what we're doing in their so I mean, you know, something like this would have never worked at Chick Fil A, right? I mean, this this was, uh, Taco Bell was the perfect location for it. Uh, and so, you know, we, we did this, we did this for probably about three weeks and, uh, you know, Justin and I are talking and we're like, wow, man, you know, this is, this is working. Uh, and so we, <laughs> we called up our friends at, uh, LSU, Yale, Georgia, Georgia tech, and uh, a few other universities. And, uh, within another two weeks, we had, uh, seven Taco Bells on the Eastern United States where you could walk in and buy Bitcoin. And so uh, our, our first semblance of, uh, of an agent network and our, our you know, first foray into Bitcoin was, uh, was uh, you know, selling, selling it out of a Taco Bell. The Taco uh, Bell Merchant Network. <laughs> that's beautiful. The Taco Bell Merchant Network. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm hoping, uh, you know, Taco Bell is listening. And, uh, you know, if they are, it's, uh, it would Yo, be an honor. Yo, shout out to Taco Bell. I'm looking for sponsors. <laughs> I'll take I'll take a Taco Bell sponsor. I'm down for a gordita. I just had one in Hawaii. I forgot how much I love Taco Bell. Man, uh, you know Taco Bell, man. It's uh, it's the the only place that that could have possibly worked. Uh, I don't think I don't think any any other restaurant would have put up with uh, put up with our crap the way that they did. So, so uh, yeah, so, you know. So we, that being said, you were you were selling Bitcoin and back of a Taco Bell, and like how has that translated into into where you've gotten at now with um, yellow cards? Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're we did that. We did that for probably another two and a half months, running this uh, running this just network, this army of uh, you know Taco Bellites uh, selling Bitcoin. And uh, after after about two and a half months, uh, Justin and I were talking, and we said, you know, man, we should we should probably do something less sketchy with our lives. And so uh, after after that realization, we we decided to start building this company for scale, and we decided, you know, we like the idea of stores where somebody can walk in and give you cash and then they get a bitcoin ethereum etc and so we wanted to build that for scale in the us and the idea was you know we put a gift card in big box retail and people can walk in and exchange it for bitcoin and we were we were working on building that out and uh that was that was a process you know we we were you know building it building everything in house and uh you know trying to you know raise money and uh you know get partnerships and everything for it and while we were in the process, I think that's 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 when me and you originally met, Stephen. Uh, and so, you know, while we were while we were building that out, uh, in that process, we met a man one summer. Uh, this is what 2017 now. We met a man at a Wells Fargo uh, who was sending $200 to his family in Nigeria, and Wells Fargo charged him $90 to send $200 over to his family in Africa. And, uh, you know, we knew nothing about Africa or, you know, money transfer or anything at the time. I probably couldn't have told you where Nigeria was on a map, but, you know, we, we pulled this guy aside and we started talking to him and we said, you know, Hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? It's, it's free. It's instant, all that fun stuff. And we went home, we went home that day and later we start kind of thinking about it and, and we start thinking, you know, what would his family in Nigeria do with $200 worth of Bitcoin? Right, it, it solves the middle of the problem where I can send money to you, whether you're in Georgia, San Francisco, Congo, Nigeria, wherever you are in the world, and it's going to get to you at the same time, the same fee, all you know, all that fun stuff that we love about crypto. And you know, then but we start thinking, you know, what would his family do with it there? Right, you know, you can send somebody two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, but it's not going to keep the lights on, it's not going to pay rent, it's not going to pay for food, 
I mean, even in San Francisco, you'd have a hard time paying your rent in Bitcoin most places. Oh, right? yeah, so, you know, we, we start thinking about that. And uh, that's when that's when we got linked up with Minachi, uh, who's our you know partner and, uh, you know, really runs things for us in Nigeria. And we start bringing all these questions to him. Uh, you know, we start asking him, you know, what is there? What is there to do with Bitcoin in Nigeria? How are people using it? What are people doing with it now? How do you buy it? How do you sell it? How do you exchange it? And, you know, the more the more that we talked to Minachi about it, uh, the more interested he became in our solution and the more interested we became in the market there. And so, you know, we we kept these conversations going and we would, we would keep talking to him and everything. And this this went on for several months. And, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up to mid to late 2018 at this point. And eventually, I think Minachi just got tired of answering our questions. And he said, you know, look, man, if you really want to understand this market, if you really want to understand what goes on here, you just got to come stay here for a little while. And so without really thinking twice about it, uh, we bought two one-way tickets. You pulled it to Asia, pal. <laughs> you were like, I'm going to Africa. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We bought we bought two one-way tickets to Lagos, Nigeria, and went to go stay with a guy we met on the internet. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I love... Uh, it's just such a great story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep going, please. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I mean, that's that's uh, you know that's that's pretty much how it got started. I mean, you know, now we're in uh, we're in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I mean, the, uh, how many how many Taco Bell merchant locations do you have? In unfortunately, unfortunately, no Taco Bell merchant locations oh, in Nigeria. Man, no I, I think uh, I think part of the sponsorship that uh, you know Taco Bell owes me uh, <laughs> it should include helping them expand to Nigeria. I think, uh, you know, Taco mm. Bell, there. Most, of, most of the people we work with in Nigeria have never had a taco. What? what? That's incredible. We got, oh my God, we got to fix that. We got to go on a missionary trip to Africa to get some tacos. <laughs> that is absolutely important. We got um, to Southern American culture. That's... <laughs> I don't know. Like, wait. I don't. I don't know if Southern American culture includes tacos. I've had a. I've had a taco from South Carolina. It was awful. Okay. In Texas, <laughs> in Texas, the tacos keep it rolling. But I know, uh, yeah, I know it's part of life, but it's important. So, I, but, what we usually like to do, Chris, is go into why you you founded Yellow Card and what was the impetus for that. But quite obviously, it seems like it's to help people exchange their currency into Bitcoin and vice versa. Um. That seems about right, no? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think that's that's definitely the way that it started, uh, especially when we were in the U.S., is we just, you know, we had fallen in love with this technology. Uh, we saw the potential that this had for the world, and we wanted to make sure that people were able to access it, people were able to learn about it, to, uh, you know, buy it, sell it, everything. And uh, you know, I think I think that that uh, that motivation and everything shifted once we started uh, you know, taking a serious look at Nigeria and Africa and, and the market there. And the more the more that we looked there, the more that we realized this is where this technology is going to have its impact first. And that's not to that's not to downplay what this technology will do in the U.S. or Europe or any other de- you know more developed part of the world. But it's certainly going to take root and it's going to have the largest impact the most quickly in places like Nigeria, in places like South Africa, in, you know, on the African continent, in the Middle East, in, in these parts of the world where, you know, they still face problems on a daily basis with money, with finance, with, uh, you know, privacy, security, et cetera, that uh, in a lot of cases we take for granted as having been solved. 
And so that's that's certainly, uh, you know, we certainly see it as this technology has the most to offer there in the short term. So with that being said, like, how are you, there's been this massive wave the last two to three years of KYC, AML, and that being, that's, it start, the lines, I feel like have been drawn. There's exchanges that do KYC, AML, and ones that don't. Does the yellow card do that? We do, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of amazing that there are still exchanges that don't, uh, just how clear the law is, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much everywhere in the world. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're fighting their fight. Um, but yeah, we, we do. And, uh, you know, we, we follow, we follow all, all local and, uh, you know, international laws and regulations and everything regarding KYC and AML. And I mean, you know, the, the way that we see it, with uh, the markets that we're working in is for a lot of these countries, we're the, the, the first exchange, right? We're the, you know, I mean, you know, for Botswana, which we're, we're getting ready to open up, we're the only exchange in the country that accepts Puma. And, you know, when you're working in countries, when you're sort of uh, that, that first mover for, for a particular country or region, I think it's very important that uh, you're following these laws and regulations and working with the appropriate bodies because you, you don't want you don't want to have a negative impact on the industry as a whole because you decided that uh, you know you didn't have to follow what the government says or something like that. And so you know we want to we want to promote this industry as a whole there. And I think that uh, you know following the regulations and making sure that the government understands this technology, making sure that the regulations stay smart and stay uh you know promoting this technology as opposed to hindering its uh, you know entrance into the country is important very true That's very yeah very well said too um so that being said i clearly you know you understand the region you understand how to function and would work as a you know regulated entity uh you know doing peer-to-peer transactions like this and uh peer-to-merchant transactions as well i would assume or uh, maybe you can explain this, like kind of just how someone would utilize Yellow Card and like kind of what 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 your services provide. Yeah, yeah. So so right now we have we have two main payment methods, and so basically our our goal in the region is to be able to provide access to this technology through whatever payment method people there use regularly, right? It, very similar to the way that, you know, Coinbase did it in the U.S., where, uh, you know, Coinbase didn't necessarily do anything special. They just, they came in and they made it stupid easy to buy Bitcoin. All you got to do is link your bank account and, you know, say, I want $100. Now I have $100 worth of Bitcoin in my wallet. I don't have to, I don't have to send a wire. I don't have to go to the bank branch. I don't have to do any of that. And that's, that's you know, similar to the approach that we've taken in terms of uh, payment methods and everything. And so, uh, you know, one of the one of the main payment methods that we really pride ourselves on accepting in Africa, and that we really promote is cash. Uh, and you know, in Africa, I mean, cash is still king, right? Uh, in across the continent, it's something about like about eighty five percent of all payments on the continent still happen in cash. And so, in order in order to truly make this technology accessible to everybody, you have to you have to be able to accept cash. And so the way that we do that is we have stores that we set up in Nigeria and in these other countries that we work in. And at any of these stores, you can walk up, pay in cash, and get Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, et cetera. Or you can sell crypto to us and pick up cash at the store. And so we, we made the process extremely, I mean, very seamless, right? Where now at any of these merchants, so you know, you're in Lagos, Nigeria, you need money. Uh, at any of these merchants, all you have to do is walk up. The merchant will give you a QR code. You scan it. 
they see, okay, you sent me $50 and then they give you the cash. So it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a very seamless process that makes it extraordinarily easy for people to be able to access this, access the technology, but then also to be able to off ramp and benefit from it. Mm, very smooth. So, yeah, very smooth. So I saw you on Twitter hanging out with Jack Dorsey. Tell us about that. <laughs> what, what, what was, what was he trying to figure out down there? Were you, were you schooling him all this? Tell me, tell me you were schooling him. <laughs> oh, I was schooling him for you, Stephen. Don't you worry. Thank it's... you. Thank you. Who? Good, good, good. That's what I want. Uh, so actually, I, I do have I do have a kind of a funny story. So, um, so one of one of my friends at uh, at Google uh, hit me up. This is this is back in uh, let's see, this would have been like early September. I was about to head back over to Nigeria for a few months, and uh, one of my friends from Google hit me up and he said, you know, hey, uh, you're going to be back in Nigeria soon. Uh, I have some friends from Square there that are interested in the market. Do you want to meet up with them? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that'd be, that'd be great. I'd be happy to, happy to talk to them. And he was like, okay, cool. I'll make an email intro to my friend from Square. And, uh, you know, later that day, I'm scrolling through my inbox, and uh, I, I checked my email, and the intro was to Jack Dorsey. And I called him up, and I was like, Mike, that's not a friend from Square. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta <laughs> warn me before you do that. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a great time. Uh, so basically, uh, a group of us met up with Jack in Nigeria, and then um, I ended up being in uh, Ethiopia and Addis Ababa at the same time as him as well. And so I got to meet up with him again there. Um, but, uh, you know, he is very interested in Africa and I think, I mean, you know, he's, he's certainly made that clear if you followed him at all over the last, the last several months. And, um, I mean, honestly, I think it's a large part of the reason why, uh, you know, shareholders were fighting him on Twitter because, uh, you know, it's certainly square that's, uh, you know, has the most to benefit from, you know, him moving to Africa or anything like that. But, uh, I would definitely, I would definitely kind of disagree there. I feel like Twitter would really benefit from him being in Africa too. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just my personal opinion. Especially Maybe. Yeah. That's what he on Twitter. That's, that's true. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter already has a very large use usage in Africa and in Nigeria. Uh, whereas, you know, Square is only in the U.S. and I think maybe Canada now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter, sort of the benefit of Twitter and the benefit of any social media, you don't have to really be there for it to, you know, get popular there. Right. Same with Facebook. Like Zuckerberg doesn't have to go to to Africa for Facebook to be it's already popular there um but yeah no I mean uh we yeah it was a it was a it was a great group of us in uh in Nigeria and uh yeah I mean it was just he just had questions right I mean he just he wanted to learn everything that he could about the market he just wanted to understand as deeply as possible uh the Nigerian market how money works there how payments work and how does Bitcoin fit into that? How does Bitcoin fit into international money movement? How does it fit into remittances, to payments, uh, to all of that? And then it was it was much of the same in Ethiopia, just just trying to get a better understanding of where it fits in in the market. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really like the way that uh, Jack and uh, you know the, the company are looking at the continent. I think uh, I think that there are definitely some interesting things that there will be. Uh, they'll be able to do there if they do really decide to d dive in. Um, but, you know, I guess all that all that remains to be seen. You schooled them on everything about what's going on, and that's great. And so it sounds like an expansion there for Square seems to be of relatively high importance for him. So what does uh, 
this mean going forward for uh, Yellow Card? Like, are you seeking to like maybe work with uh, other people to expand further into Africa? Um, like, kind of, can you give us an idea of like how many locations are you in? Like, like how 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 well is Yellow Card doing, and do you have other competitors there? Yeah, yeah. So you know, we uh, right now we have we have fifty locations live in in Lagos, Nigeria, and uh, we're we're very happy to be expanding into almost eighteen thousand uh, coming up with a partnership that uh, we finalized uh, several months ago. We've just been working on uh, the integration, and so we'll be we'll be in eighteen thousand stores in Nigeria coming up shortly. Uh, it was supposed to be the end of this month, but uh, then the world ended. And so we'll see, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see how quickly we can get, uh, get everything fired up and get everything, uh, get everything back on track there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, things, things have been, things have been going very well, uh, in, in, in Africa, I would say, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, this, this year we've done, uh, over, over $12 million us dollars in, in exchange, uh, in local African currencies. And so, uh, you know, we're just, we're excited to, uh, you know, be able to really uh, see through, uh, you know, what we wanted to do, which is just bringing access to this technology to the continent. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, uh, I think that we're doing that in, uh, you know, in, in some way. And, uh, you know, I think we were, we're continuing to grow and yeah, we're, we're excited for, uh, you know, where we can end up by the end of this year. What kind of, uh, I guess, what kind of metrics off the top of your head, if you could, if you're even at uh, liberty to share, kind of point to the growth? Is it like, you know, average transaction size, transactions per day, transactions per week? Like what, how, if you were to gauge the temperament through uh, numerics, what, what's the one that you're most excited about? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think, I think that what I'm most excited about is before the month of March, we had spent about two thousand dollars for the life of the company on marketing, and the the fact that we've been able to grow as quickly as we have. I mean, having only officially launched in June last year, and being able to grow from doing you know a hundred thousand dollars in the month of June to I mean two hundred thousand dollars a day, uh, so quickly uh, with such little marketing spend. I think, I think it really speaks to the fact that we're, we're solving a real problem on the ground. And, you know, the majority of our customers and the majority of the, this growth comes from word of mouth. And it's, it, I think it, it just, it really solidifies, you know, what we wanted to do when we were over there building the company is, uh, you know, it's, it's solving a very real problem that people experience every day there. And so they're excited to tell their friends about it. They're excited to talk about it. And, that's, I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, as any, I mean, I think any founder would say, you know, that's what, <laughs> you know, they love to see. Uh, so it's, uh, that's, that's been, that's been a pretty great feeling. And uh, I mean, honestly, that's, that's my favorite metrics. <laughs> so. mm. I mean, no, thank you. That's, that's a great, that was a great response too. G- gave us a lot of insight. So you're doing pretty damn good. And that's good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, so, so what, uh, what, what have you learned in this process that was like most important to you or something that you feel like was, um, maybe not an uh, an obstacle that you were expecting, or like what's what's taking you by surprise as you've been building out in Africa, as someone from you know Auburn. <laughs> yeah, you know, as uh, as uh, you know, just like some guy from New Orleans that's uh, you know, now <laughs> working in Nigeria. Uh, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think I could just name one thing that's uh, <laughs> you know, taken me by surprise. 
there's there's certainly um, there's certainly certainly a number of things that are uh, different about doing business in Africa versus doing business in the southern United States. Um, and uh, I, I mean, it's it's just it's been it's been so much fun. Uh, just yeah, I mean, just trying to navigate that, uh, you know, the different cultures, right? And uh, it, that's that's been that's been my favorite part about Africa, and uh, that's been my favorite, I guess, learning experience. I feel like most people don't really understand uh, the continent or kind of lump the entire thing together until mm-hmm. they really start to. Uh, you know, unpack it until they really start to learn about it, talk to people from there, et cetera. And I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, myself and and really everybody else has learned is just how different different parts of Africa are. Uh, And I mean, it's not just, you know, Nigeria is different than South Africa. It's Southern Nigeria is different than Northern Nigeria. And, uh, you know, the Eastern part of the, you know, the country is different than the Western part of the country. And uh, just just uh, unpacking and navigating through these these different cultural norms and uh, you know ways of doing business, not only within uh, the continent but within specific countries, has been uh, just super exciting. I mean, I, I highly recommend Africa to uh, you know anybody anybody that's starting a country uh, company. Um, and yeah, I mean whether you're you know interested in doing business there from like a, you know, a sales perspective and everything, even if that's not the case. I mean, I think that more people should be looking there and more companies should be looking there for talent and for, uh, you know, everything else, everything else around just the the management and running of a company, even if you're not doing sales in Africa. Uh, and I mean, I think that's why, you know, I mean, companies like Andela have done so well is because there's so much talent in Africa. And it's just now that people are kind of starting to realize Oh, you know, I don't need to, you know, pay a developer in San Francisco two hundred thousand dollars a year when there's somebody that's just as good, uh, and you know that money would go a lot further. It'll help out a lot more. It'll, uh, you know, help grow the economy. Uh, you know, that person when they leave my company will probably go and start their own business and you know contribute to job growth and GDP growth and everything. Uh, you know, in in some of these countries. Is uh is James Earl Jones still the king of Africa over there? <laughs> I saw it on a documentary. No, man, I mean, you that know, terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> that's a terrible joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Africa. Everyone in Africa, it's coming to America. Joke. It's bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sorry. I'm sure he's still doing well. So it's... they're coming. They're making another coming to America. By the way, they're making a sequel. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. First one's classic. With who? Uh, Thank I, I guess Eddie Murphy and uh, Arsenio Hall. Uh, sorry, I totally derailed your statement. <laughs> no, no, awesome no, this, is, no this, is this is absolutely relevant. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> relevant. <laughs> so, so, okay. so, yeah, so, so, um, uh, speaking of uh, royalty and uh, governance, uh, how how is it dealing with the um, regulations and things like that in Africa? Is it difficult? How is it socially, politically um, dealing with that? As well, one as you know, an American coming over and starting a company there, I would have to ask. Yeah, uh, well, I would I would say uh, it's it is significantly easier in Africa than it is in the United States, and I think that says a lot about the regulations that the U.S. has in place around crypto right now. Um, so, I mean, with uh, you know, with with Yellow Card, I mean, we're only operating in countries that have shown 
some willingness to, uh, you know, work with and accept and, you know, want to grow this industry. And so, you know, in Nigeria, uh, you know, the, the central bank there has put together a task force specifically around crypto regulations. And so, you know, we work with, uh, you know, one of the, one of the top law firms and everything in the country on making sure that, you know, we understand what's going on in that process. And I think that, I think that it's, it's being done very well. It's being done with uh, private sector input. It's being done with the growth of the industry in mind. And it's, it's being done the, the way that it should be done, right? Where, you know, the goal, the goal of these regulations should be to combat money laundering, to combat criminals, anything like that. It should not be to hinder the industry or to stifle innovation. And I think that I think that the, the central bank there really understands that. And, uh, you know, I think that they are really looking to push this industry forward. I think that they see the number of jobs that it's bringing to the country, uh, I mean, desperately needed jobs in the country. And on top of that, in, in some small way, it's helping with the greater goal of improving the image of Nigeria. And I mean, you know, for I mean, the, the, the image of Nigeria has been so tainted from, you know, 20 years ago when those email scams and everything were going, you know, the, when the Nigerian prince was emailing everybody, um, you know, the, the <laughs> image of the country has been so tainted since then. And uh, the country has done so much to combat that, uh, but it's been almost impossible for them to actually change their image because all anybody knows about Nigeria, especially in the US, all anybody knows about Nigeria is, oh, that's the place that the prince emailed me from. And oh, so man, they, they gotta come up with new memes, man. Nigeria has to meme its way out of the scam. Like they need to have like something like the, you know, the Nigerian crypto guy that just, you know, gives away money and tries to help save emerging economies. That's a meme. See, I can get behind. Now we're now we're talking. Yeah, see, we just we need to meme that. So I mean, you know, hey, memes, memes, memes shape culture, man. Memes shape uh memes shape opinions. So I mean, hey, you know, Andrew Yang uh, you know, memed himself to prominence, right? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's the actual thing, man. I see, I literally I literally had the exact conversation with Andrew Yang. We were just like, you gotta be the signal president. You gotta just put yourself out there. And you got to meme yourself. And he was like, I agree. And then, like, that that was it. Like, we literally talked about this over Twitter DMs. It's crazy. I got a screenshot of it. So I'm not lying. <laughs> and, My man's got uh, the I got a screenshot because I knew one day I would tell a story and someone would be like, bullshit. And I'm like, nope, nope, got the proof. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it, it really does. The meme does say a lot. And so that's why I think when a lot of people think about crypto and in those types of areas and, you know, they hear about, uh, you know, the growth of the tech industry there. Uh, you know, they have this, you know, immediate, like, internalized, like, skepticism uh, about that or, or even thinking about it as, as, a, as a major priority. And so, you know, uh, you know, we've been working on Handshake for a very long time. And, uh, you know, when I look and see, uh, you know, the, the peer and the nodes uh, out uh, you know, globally on a map, uh, you know, we're, we're very sparse, if non-existent, in places like Africa, uh, South America. And so the, there are places where you know we need to be. There's a lot of early footwork that can still be done. These areas that have can uh, traditionally historically been neglected for the most part, I would say, uh, and just coming in with some like actual like dollars and uh, and really just like being able to help grow that area immensely by many multiples very quickly, which would benefit the crypto space as a whole. And I think people like Jack Dorsey sees that you know kind of entrepreneurial window just like yourself. 
um, to kind of be there and be, you know, a, a main name uh, in that market and uh, you know, be able to build that reputation uh, early on. Yeah, 100%. And I know, I know you and I have talked about, uh, you know, Handshake and everything and, uh, you know, what Handshake can do in Africa before. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're super excited to, uh, to be able to work, uh, you know, work with Handshake and get it out there. Because I yeah, mean, I think mean, giving everyone a name uh, with their wallet yeah. that they're, you know, that they're spending. So now they have this portable identity of their keys uh, that shows their history of their payments and things like that. And that, that can start building its own like kind of unique credit history. Um, for, you know, the transactions that are associated with, uh, you know, that particular name. And there's uh, decentralized identity is, is something that when done generally enough, extendably, um, you can really put it in any sort of facet that you want, as long as the ledger gives you the data to make the identifiable, quantifiable decisions over someone's potential, you know, credit uh, and things of that nature. You can really get experimental uh, with this very fast, and especially uh, in situations that are kind of like this, where you know even the U.S. dollar is having a you know uh, uh, a pretty unfortunate time, um, you know we we can still experiment uh, and, and get into networks uh, like Africa and even see if these types of things um, uh, would be beneficial to, to move bring it back here out west. And I think like getting into a portal there where like you said it's easy to more swiftly get into there given their you know more lax and more sensible uh, approach to regulation. So, you know, what better market than to, you know, break into those places first? Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, you know, I think I think there's there's a number of historical reasons behind it, obviously, but Africa has always lagged behind on uh, things like the Internet. And, it, you know, this is this is something coming up in, you know, 2020. This is something where, uh, you know, the continent and not just Africa, but, I mean, you know, the, the entire world has the same opportunity in a lot of places to be able to access this. And, you know, with something like Handshake, with, you know, uh, democratizing and decentralizing the internet and everything, uh, I, I think it's, yeah, it's super, super exciting to think that, uh, you know, there, there is now more of a chance than ever to, to be on the, the front wave of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, we're very excited about, uh, you know, being able to promote that and, uh, you know, help you get that out there uh, across the continent. Get some, get some nodes, get some nodes out there, man. I mean, you know, like you said, that's, uh, it's the, uh, you know, there's this, this big spot in the middle of the world where there's, there's no handshake nodes. So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta paint that. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, but thank you, um, Chris, for, you know, coming on and tell us, telling us you're very, uh, not only entertaining, but, but very knowledgeable uh, story. Uh, you know about, about your background and how you got into uh, working in Africa. So I'm I'm rooting for you here um, to do well and to continue to grow and expand, um, and also to beat Jack Dorsey to the punch. That's important to me. Um, but 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 other than that, Demetrius, if you don't have any questions, I think we can uh, let Chris uh, go back to self quarantining and sheltering in place. Man, yeah, you know, I'm just I uh, was uh, was hoping hoping to self quarantine in Nigeria, and then I, uh, you know, things things really got bad, and so I'm kind of glad I didn't go over there. So uh, I think uh, if I had to if I had to self quarantine anywhere, uh, Lagos is a little crazy right now. So. <laughs> All right, man. Well, well, well. Uh, I think we're good to go here. So um, you know, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll have you back on hopefully in the future once you've grown to 180,000 locations or half a million locations in Africa and uh, you're, you're the new Jack Dorsey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
hey, now we're now we're talking. So uh, yeah, thank you, thank you guys so much, and uh, you know, buy buy Bitcoin and buy Handshake. All right, I, 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 I can agree with that. All right, man. Well, you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Cheers. When the lights go down and the sun comes up, we ride. We ride. We ride. No, you're not ever alone. Put your pride to the side. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. These days has us up and down. We stay tanto to the ground. When the lights go down and the sun comes up, we